0: Hello everyone! Applying to jobs can be hard, but it can be made a little easier with this podcast. Welcome to our professional development podcast, made for students by students. This podcast features students on co-ops, students who have completed co-ops, and alumni who are working full-time jobs talking about their journeys. Monica Yardi, a chemical and bioengineering student, along with Anushree Chakravarti, a chemical and biomedical engineering student, both at McMaster University, noticed the challenges multiple students faced with finding co-ops and jobs and created those podcasts to spread important information such as how to network, how to write effective resumes and cover letters, and how to nail that interview, no matter whether it's online or in person. Join Anika and her co-host, Anushree Chakravarti, as we ask you to tell us about yourself.
1: So today we have uh... Rode or Roy with us today and I remember Roy back from when I was a co-op ambassador with him. I think it was two years ago now. Two years ago. And, yeah yeah. Uh, and we both presented to the Dean's Committee on our co-op experiences and we had a really good time and it's great to have him back and hear about his updates since then um, because now Roy has graduated and living the dream at Deloitte. So welcome Roy.
2: Thanks for having me. Um, I guess I'll introduce myself so my name is Roy Um, I studied mechatronics and management at McMaster University Um, I did a co-op almost every summer and um, I'd say I like my program I enjoyed mechatronics I enjoyed management (laughs) there's a debate in the society about oh do we want to do management or not and like is Tron really fun or not do we all just go to software but uh, I, I enjoyed all parts of mechatronics as well as management, which is why eventually after graduating, I moved to Deloitte for cloud consulting. So taking a bit of that technological aspect and then the business side of things and trying to combine it.
1: Wow. It's, it's always interesting to hear about the um, dynamics within each different discipline at MacEng. And...
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit more about each of your co-ops?
2: um yeah so let's see 2016 all of us came in to mcmaster um and then we heard there's there's a co-op course that we have to do we did the (laughs) co-op course and they told us hey make a resume make a cover letter and then apply and maybe you'll get a co-op um so i really wanted to get my first co-op in the first summer so i started applying like crazy um I didn't get officially registered, but I I managed to land a job at um, Real Programming for Kids, which is like a company that um, hires, you could say students, but like they hire programming instructors to teach little kids how to program. Um, And you teach them by helping them go through a course where you teach them, um, to make a game at the very end. So you'd progressively help them through the way. It's like, okay, here, let's, have, let's try to put a character on a screen, then move that character around. Now let's try to create boundaries for the character. Now let's create a map, and then eventually you'd make something like Donkey Kong or Pac-Man and whatnot. Um, and the students would try to make their own adjustments and modifications to make it like their own game, which they prefer to do. Um, that was the first summer. Um, second summer, from there, I studied going to the co-op office more and more because I was finding no success with my applications. Um, so I kept going in and, and i would show them my resume. I'd say, okay, what can I do better? And they'd say like, this is good, but maybe you should do this, this, this. I'd go back and forth like hundreds of applications. Um, and then I managed to get a job at Canadian Tire Corporate during my exam before the semester, like the final semester ended, like semester two ended. Um, that that's when the interview was so I, I got the email and he's like i'll interview you and then i just i didn't want to like doubt anything i was like i'll do the earliest one possible like i don't want anyone taking this for me so it was right before an exam uh and then i told my manager like while the interview was going i was like yeah and no, i'm ready i have an exam soon and i'm sure he must have thought like that that probably showed off that like i really wanted the job which is probably a reason i got it but um uh, it was like a data analyst job, but I ended up really just doing um, software development for Canadian Tire. Um, And so my team was in charge of space management, meaning like we'd analyze space on stores um, in terms of like how much space do you give to like yard ER products or how much space do you give to the fishing section? And then depending on that, like what are your sales? How much do people buy? And now let's compare your store to a similar Canadian kind of Tire store and then see how much are they giving to different areas. Um, and using that, we try to analyze and see, okay, like, is this good for you? Is this bad for you? Um, and so my job was to create like a virtual um, store floor plan uh, so that people can or managers or the owners of the stores could let's just say hypothetically put in a receipt of one of their customers and try to map out like where did this customer walk in from the store, what did they see, and then why did they buy what they bought? Are they picking up stuff from the middle of the store, from the sides of the store, or are these products like really visible to them, or is this just what they came for and they must have seen it online? So you can try to make those types of conclusions with that. Um, What I really learned from that one was there's no real like – Thing that you'd learn from school that you can directly transfer um, in terms of soft skills, so or soft skills and like thinking on your feet. So I went in there and like my manager and his team didn't have like an actual software developer on the team, and I had software experience in terms of like I knew how to code, but I've never made like a full-out program or like an application, and never worked with the real data like that before. Um, so I told my manager, I was like, I can, I can do like this, 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 but I have no clue, like, if this is the professional way of doing things. Um, so they tried gathering some resources, put me in touch with, like, some other developers throughout the building, and it was just me trying to go back and forth between, like, i do what I think is right, and then I'd go to this other developer and say, is this common practice? Is this correct? Am I taking the right approach? And it was, like, learning on the fly between, like, yes, I know how to code from school, but then I don't know what the real practice is in in business. Um... So, so that was a really unique experience. And what I really learned was just go with it. And if something's wrong, someone will tell you because, like, it depends on the co- Like, if they don't tell you, then everything's going <laughs> to get messed up eventually. So um, just just go with it, really. Uh, after that, my third co-op, which I was able to piggyback off of, like, my second co-op with the entire corporate, I kind of used that the most to leverage. My next co-op was um, with RBC. So in that interview with the manager... Um, we talked about how I was in management as well as like I knew how to do software and because of that experience and my experience with like Canadian Tire he realized that like I really knew what I was talking about with the project I worked on meaning like um, I knew how to go and dig deep with whatever he would give to me in in the sense that like I'd properly understand it before I just started working on it Um, so they hired me on there I worked on like finance and software combined together it was like redesigning their report to shareholders, which is, like, released every quarter. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about that, but it's a really big (laughs) and messy report, and they needed to rework it um, so that it would run faster because a lot of teams depend on it, and it was was taking them hours during the end of quarter to, like, figure things out or just, like, have it load. Um, And so I did a, a bit of manual and automation combination to finally get it all working together and reorganize the report. And um, I'm not going to lie that the four months there were like really boring after a certain point because the issue was like, okay, there's this messy report. How do we fix it? So once you figure out how to fix it, now you actually have to fix it. And (laughs) that part was the the longer part. because there's no fully automated way to do it, because every page is different. every word is different on that report. If you like want to ever go on to um, one of the banks and see their reports, it's it's endless, and it's like never the same. Um, <laughs> which is why, like I'd have to go through like forty thousand Excel sheets and Word documents and like make changes to them so that that's more centralized. And now it's much more convenient. But um, the one thing I learned from there was, you have to sometimes just push through the boring part to get your end result because, yes, you can come up with these solutions, but implementing them is just as important because the implementation is what really counts, and that's, that's the actual result. Um, and sometimes you might feel like your work is boring as a co-op student, but, like, it's important. That's, it needs to be done. Um, and once the faster you get it done, the more opportunity you'll get to do something else. Uh feel free to cut me off and like ask questions if you want because I know I can just keep talking and talking No,
0: I was just gonna ask um, because you specifically mentioned like work for co-op people might be boring But do you find like, a good contrast between your full-time job and co-op work? Um, as in like is Deloitte more interesting than RBC? <laughs> um,
2: I'm currently like <laughs> That's a, a loaded month. question
0: <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm a month in and I mean, it's really just been training right now (laughs) and waiting for access to come through. But, like, I don't think there's a big difference uh, other than the fact that, like, you have more responsibility and you probably care a lot more because you don't want to get fired or anything like that. As a co-op student, you have, like, the leniency of making lots of mistakes and people will just know that, like, yeah, you're the intern. So they're not going to give you anything that could be devastating. But now you're a full-time employee. So it's like... Every last piece of work kind of matters that much more. Um, so, and that's it. And so, I guess like I'd be a little bit more paranoid, but um, I haven't actually started doing the work yet. But like I can tell you right now, like I'm, I'm just scared. Is like when I start working, like I don't want to mess it up because like <laughs> I don't, I just don't want to mess it up. I'm not an intern that's gonna be gone in four months. <laughs> I'm like a full time employee that'll be here for the whole time. Oh
0: gosh, even my parents are always like. Oh, what if I get fired? What if I get fired? I mean, even though they, they've had, like, stable jobs for years now, but that pressure is always there, I guess, as a full-time. And full-time.
2: Yeah. And, like, not to honestly, scare you. Not to I, scare I always it. thought, Listen like, um, if I go into, like, consulting plus or, like, business plus management, or, sorry, not business plus management, um, tech plus management, like, I'd be able to do things a little bit faster just because, like, in my co-ops, I always thought, like, my skills weren't actually present on my team. Like uh, I was like unique in the sense that like I knew how to get things done faster just because I had that like tech experience. Um, but what I'm learning for my current job right now is is so much harder. Um, like I kind of feel bad. I was like uh, I thought this was gonna be much easier, but it's it's really not. <laughs> but probably I put that self on or I put that on myself by picking like a harder project and whatnot and like a, a more a different team from like the rest of the teams in my department but um like it's it's part of the learning curve and like i don't think i should just stop learning because i'm done university so it's it's necessary to like keep learning and and trying to do your best but um just because your internship is easy won't mean that your your full time will be easy is what i'll try to say
1: (laughs) there's definitely that tension too between like wanting to challenge yourself but not over stressing yourself so then you like Always want your work to be easier, at least for me, I find. But then once it becomes easy, then it gets really boring really fast.
2: Yeah, that so. that's me too. I usually just got bored every, like, like a month in and I would just be bored for all my co-ops because, like, again, like like we were talking about, like, it's easy, right? So then you, you get bored, like, you're like, nah, I can do something better because, like, this is my co-op and I want to do, like, I want to get the most out of it to get that resume really good and, like, try to get the next job or, like, you know, try to aim higher um, and, like, do something more impactful just because you have that, like, uh, enthusiasm. Like, you want to be that intern that, like, did something really big for the company and now they, like, see you as a hero or something. <laughs> so I think one of the things that we were talking about before is um how do you get, like, that RBC internship or, like, the, the current entire internship. And so here's, here's what happened. Before that first RBC internship, I was one of those people that, like, believed in the system like you, you have to apply to your job from like the the portal and you, you find it and like you apply and you'll somebody will see your resume and they'll say wow what a wonderful guy um let me go interview him but uh i realized that after my first or after the rbc internship that like that's really not how it's, it's going to work for most people um very few people get hired just because of their resume from the online portal um i honestly think i got just really lucky with my rbc internship because when i went there i realized how big the the company was on networking and talking to other people and like getting in through connections because every intern i talked to always knew somebody beforehand i was kind of like the only one that just somehow applied and got in and i was surprised because like i just I, i felt like a misfit in the sense that like wow i really don't know anyone here and these guys are all like really well connected they already know like upper management somehow um, imposter syndrome.
0: Such
2: a big... not really imposter syndrome it's more like just Never that got. i felt like really i just felt really lucky for some reason but also like it just didn't feel like um i don't know what the word is like i just feel like uh i felt like i wasn't doing the, the method right in in the sense that like i wasn't talking to people to get my workplace because like cultural fit And all of that, like, you'll notice that being more important once you get into full-time. So, like, usually when you apply for your internship, like, culture and stuff doesn't really matter. You want that job. You don't really care about, like, who's there. You just really want to work and get a job. But um, once you get into full-time, you become more aware about, like, because these are the people you're going to spend time with, like, for years maybe. So, you're like, oh, how are the people? Like, I actually want to know. I don't really care if the pay is better or worse. But... I really want to know is like am i going to enjoy my time here because that's eight hours of your day easily um sometimes more so like i realized oh it's like maybe like i need to network properly so that i know it's like okay if i'm going to be working with this person then i want to enjoy my time so that we can like openly talk about like um, let's just say, like, I want to work on this project, but they have other goals. Like, if we're not good in terms of, like, communication or if you don't have good relationships with your manager, then it's, it's going to be hard to get the work you enjoy. It's not, like, your job in that sense. So, so networking in that sense is actually really important just to know more about the company culture as well as um, you're fit with who you're going to work for. And that's why I believe that networking your way into a job is actually more important, or like a better strategy than um, applying through an online portal. Because what a lot of companies do is they'll apply through online portal, but then when you get interviewed, it's somebody random. Um, And that person might not even be on your team sometimes, just because they want to give everyone a fair chance. But what that does mean is you might hit it off with that one person in your interview, but then once you get hired or once you get closer to being hired you're talking to somebody completely different right so it's like there's like a, a bit of a mismatch in terms of like what you'd expect and as you get closer to the company you realize maybe this isn't what i want or you you get a bit more paranoid about like is this is this a good fit for me or not so in that sense networking i feel like is is why um i think it's it's actually a better way of hiring people it's just you know what you're going into kind of or like that person is representing their company and what they can offer you better than an online portal.
0: What kind of questions would you ask someone to get knowledge of the company culture when you're
2: networking? Um so it depends on the type of person you're and what you're looking for, right? So if you're a really direct person, you just be like, how is the company culture? But <laughs> like
0: <You're supposed>. um,
2: <laughs> if you're really trying to work with that specific person, then you just talk to them. And if, if you feel like, yeah, you have like some type of shared hobbies, then that usually indicates that like you have similar like values or whatnot. Um, and you can get along really well. Now what depends after like being a good match personal personality wise is like, are they doing work that you're really into? So you talk to them about like, okay, what is the work you do? Um, what are some of the teams that you like communicate with on a basis? Like if you're in, let's just say like a, a retail team or a retail software team, you'd also be talking to like maybe a finance team to manage like some information coming from the finance department or the finance database. Um, and if that's like all work that you feel comfortable like working towards like learning about or you already know and you feel like you're an expert in that matter, then like that's a really good fit for you because like, yes, you know what's going on as well as the people you will be working with are, are people that like you can enjoy time with.
1: So both indirect and directly. I want to backpedal a little bit. It, and um, everybody uses the word networking now. We all need to network, network, network. But what right. does that mean to you, Roy? What do, like what is the activity that's attached to that?
2: Um, to be honest, like I've never been much of a networker. Like what I would say about networking, like it's like you can treat it like a job where you have to go and network on purpose with like quotations around it. Like you'd go to an event where employers come and you would network as in like you just talk to them and see if you fit or you can network out of proper curiosity. Like you really are curious about a company or a team or somebody that you met and then you are actually talking to them because you genuinely want to know. So there's, there's two different ways to it, but, um, and obviously, one is much more easier for like people to do because they're like genuine interest is always going to be more more genuine conversation. Like it'll it'll come more naturally, um, and it's really obvious when you're like kind of forcing it. But you can always build that skill. Like if you really want a job as an intern, like you need to build that skill too. Is like even if you don't want to have certain conversations, you'll still have to. So practicing to like move up to strangers and being like, "What does your company do and whatnot?" is is still a good skill. And sometimes. You might not be curious to know about what they do, but like after they start talking, you'll be more curious and and you'll actually want to work for them maybe. What I'd say is networking as a skill is just like being able to talk to people about either something that you want or something that you're curious about is, is really all it is. It's just like just talking to people about, yeah, what you want to know and what they have to offer.
0: And what you have to offer.
2: Exactly. But that part usually comes in after they're curious about you, but you really <laughs> need to know you really yeah. need to know what they're doing first or else uh, they, they have no curiosity for you.
0: Well, I guess it's mutual, right? Like as you're talking to someone, they're also feeling you out too.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, that's why these networking events are like laid out, right? Is like they're both people are coming in with the purpose to like talk to each other and they know like not everyone wants to work for me here. But <laughs> the point is that like, OK, we're all coming here so that we can talk to each other and figure out like, are we a good match or not? It's like dating. It is kind of like dating, yeah.
0: (laughs) So um, how much do you know about your position right now? Like, Do you know exactly what a cloud consultant does?
2: Um, Yeah, now that I joined an actual team, yeah. Um, So the way it works at Deloitte is like everyone's – so I signed on as a consultant, and then you kind of just take projects that you are okay with, and there's like a board and there's like a resource manager that helps you – uh, find a job that is suited for you. Um, so the team I'm working with kind of just saw my resume and they said, like, I think you'd be a good fit for this and we kind of need a lot of people to work on this because we have lots of work to get done. And that for me was like a go signal just because I'm starting off fresh and if somebody's going to hand me like work to do, then that's pretty good. Um, they said it was a steep learning curve. I was like, I really just like to do challenges, so I might as well just go into it. Um, and yeah so basically what we do is like uh, a client would come to us and say we need this done um, in terms of like their cloud infrastructure so what i'm working on is like a finance team um, and they'd want to convert their erp system or like their um, resource management system you can call it and we'd convert it from whatever they're currently using to a better cloud-oriented one so that they don't have to manage let's just say like their hardware that stores or like their databases that store all their information. They can just put it all to the cloud through a a different party. And then we'd also build out like different situations for them because um, not every company is the same. So we'd have like a software that's already built out with like, let's just say most cases that people would experience. And then based on the specific cases that this company would need, we'd have to build those separate branches out.
0: That's so cool.
1: So how did you get your position at um, Deloitte? I think um, we skipped over that part.
2: Let me just uh, backtrack. So third year, I got my first RBC offer. Then fourth year is when COVID hit. So I just went back to RBC and they let me do work from home and everything was perfect. Um, And then during that summer, I signed on as um, the new president for the Mechatronic Society. And that whole year was online and there we ran a bunch of events and one of them was, um, the CAS industry night. Um, so there, we'd like reach out to employers and call them on and whatnot. So that was like kind of my first, honestly, I'd say that's my first networking session I actually had, but even there, I didn't really get to network because I was kind of managing the event the whole time, but I got in touch with a lot of employers. Um, but my experience at The Mechatronic society got me a lot of things that i could put on my resume in terms of showing leadership um then when it came time to start applying um i reached out to like very few people this time actually instead of like hundreds i just reached out to like i think five places um so one of them was a consulting firm that came to the industry night and they replied really fast and they were like ready to like move forward with the rest of the process and then the other one was just this application to deloitte just through the normal portal again but um like yeah so in that sense i didn't learn my lesson about like talking to someone at deloitte to get a job but i still applied just normally um (laughs) but when i got news that like okay they're willing to interview me um i started reaching out on linkedin to find people who are already in that space and i was like okay like how do i do well at this interview because i don't want to mess it up and i really want the job um, so they gave me a lot of tips um, in terms of like, you know, what the company culture is like, how the people are and like, what are they really looking for? And so I realized like my resume was properly reflecting it because they're really into like people who are in leadership and like they like to get work done and they're willing to be like on the the forefront of like the unknowing, you know, like yo, you don't know what's going to happen, but you're still willing to be there. Like um, the industry night we led, like that was the first online that the, the online industry night that like McMaster ran. Um, so I feel like those were those some of the points that like really helped me do well in the interview as well as like just get me on, on the field for um, people to spot me up for Deloitte in the first place. Um, so if I was to backtrack a little bit more, then I'd say like I could have hypothetically knowing what the company is looking for frame my resume specifically towards that. And I think that would increase my chances more, like, knowingly instead of unknowingly. Like, my resume just happened to line up, which is why I got the interview. But if I was smarter about it, then I would have known that, like, this is what they're looking for and frame my resume that way. Because instead of making it a pure tech resume or a pure management resume, I'm, like, I forcefully put in that I'm looking for something specific to, like, tech as well as, like, management as well as, like, leadership. Just because, like, I really enjoy those types of things. workplace events or like that that's just like what i like to do Mm -hmm. um and then so yeah when, when the interview came it was like really easy because i already talked to all these people in terms of like what Deloitte is really looking for and it went really smoothly like it didn't feel like an interview it felt more like a normal conversation with someone and like when they ask you like oh what's the situation where this happened or what would you do here like it just comes up naturally especially because you have experience to back it up
0: what would you say? Um, going back to your undergraduate career, what would you say is the most important thing that ECCS gave to you as an advice?
2: Oh, ECCS—they actually gave me a lot of things. Um, I wouldn't say like they gave me advice. It was more like I just kept bugging them, and they never like told me stop your bugging us. <laughs> okay, like, so I guess. Um, so in my, in my first two years, I would just go in because um, I think they're still, like, restructuring how they wanted to run the office more, like, efficiently or more, like, systematically. Um, and that time, I would just go in and be like, can I talk to someone? And they'd say, yeah. Yeah. Um, And eventually it transitioned to the point where if i went in and i was like can i talk to someone they're like yeah do you want me to book an appointment and then i was like but can i just talk for five minutes and they'd say like yeah but you have to book an appointment but if i just reached out to like the cdrm manager like directly they'd be like yeah just come on in because like i always used to go in the first two years um so in that sense i feel like they're really nice and really patient with like all their students regardless of like what questions or like they'll always try to make time for their students which is like the one thing I like the most about the ECCS office, um, and which is why, like, I, I took that upon myself is like, yeah, if, if McMaster is doing so much to help me out, then I really want to give my time back, back to McMaster, which is why I started like volunteering in all these places.
0: What was your favorite thing about being president of the Mechatronics Society?
2: Yeah, it was my team. They're really fun. Um. It's just, like, nice and funky team. Like, every two weeks we'd meet up and discuss, like, whatever we need to get done. Um, We'd have games. night. Like, the only regret I had is, like, why was it online? Because, like, I couldn't do any in-person events. Um, That's, like, the only thing I always regret is, like, I wish I was president when everything was in person. I really wanted to run, like, in-person events with, like...
1: So it's definitely building that in-person culture that was missed. Yeah. Do you see um, any opportunities to have, like, fun at your at your new job now? Uh, I know it's a lot harder when you're working full-time and it's remote.
2: It's Yeah, it's still online, but, like, um, the people I'm in touch with have always been saying, like, it's lit when it's in person. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's also, like, the grind culture is there a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, you know, if, if you don't get your work done in time, then you'll probably have to do it later just because you need to get it done. Um,
0: Sounds like engineering.
2: That's why, like, I was just really hoping, like, I have the skills to speed my work up. Um, and that's why, like, this, like, current, like, learning situation or whatnot, like, I just want to, like, learn as properly as possible. So I don't need to, like, spend that extra time. I just don't like doing that. I always like to do things better than, than they should be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they, they, they always promise that, like, it's, it's going to be fun in person. And, like, they've been really welcoming. Like, um, the person who's, like, kind of teaching me right now in terms of, like, how to program or, like, work with the software, um, he even, like, offered, like, oh, you know, some of us play golf um on the weekends, like you know, if you want to come by, like let me know. And I was like, wait, I don't actually golf or like I don't I play like mini golf and like I don't have a stick or anything. And he's like, don't you have a second set, like you can come, like don't worry about that. So they're really friendly and like yeah, you know, even with COVID, like they've they found themselves like ways to uh, to enjoy their time. So
1: that's that's uh that's really good to hear. Did you have to do a case study also during your interview?
2: So that was surprising. I actually didn't have to do a case study and I was always like confused <laughs> as to where that case study went because um I had the first interview and it went really well. Um and this is why I love the company so much is because um, after the guy who interviewed me, he was um he wasn't from he wasn't from the location that I was gonna work at. Uh, he he's from like northeast, he's from like the eastern like Pacific or New Brunswick, like that that area of Deloitte. Um and so the interview went well and then after that I added him on LinkedIn. I was like thanks a lot for the interview. Uh and then he just kept in touch. He's like do you hear back from anyone? Like uh what's going on and like he always kept in touch and was really nice about it. And then one day he just messaged he's like uh like Yo, you'll hear back from the office soon. So I thought like he might okay, I'll hear back for that case study because all we had was like a behavioral. Um mm-hmm. but when I first got the email for his interview it said like oh be ready it's it's an hour and there's gonna be a case study but we just never did it and then when he's like they'll email you they emailed me with an offer and i was like where'd where the case study go so it just went straight to the offer um so i don't know if he if it was because like he just felt confident that i'd be able to do well in the case study because like based on our talks it was almost like i've like talked about a lot of different case studies with like how my um experience with like capstone went and, and how i ran the society or like my, some of my co-op experience, my co-op ambassador experience, as well as like my other co-op experiences. So like, I felt like maybe it was just really well-rounded and he felt like I'd, I'd just do pretty well in the case study in general. So um, yeah, I just, I skipped it, but I prepped so much for it. I was ready for the case study, but it just never came up. So
1: if, if, um, if you've uh, prepped for it then, do you have any tips for any of our listeners interested in interviewing for a consulting company?
2: Um, I mean when you do your research you'll probably come to the same like guideline as like okay find your problem um, think about your possible solutions then make sure you know your metrics for success and then once you pick a solution show why it's better than your other other solutions through your metrics and that's probably like the easiest skeleton to follow Um, don't be afraid to think outside the box like we're all Mac engineers I think McMaster is probably one of the most creative universities out there So, so be creative, take that with you. Um, yeah, that's, that's really it.
1: Wow. You just demystified the whole process for me. I thought it was this big, complicated thing. It's good to know it's not.
2: (laughs) I mean, okay. So like, know, your numbers is also a good thing. Like, you know, do some, if you're allowed to do some research, like sometimes. So one of the other places I applied to was another consulting firm, except, um, the way they structured their hiring would be like they do a first round, then they'd have like an actual in-person or like that year was online. But um it'd be like a two, three hour session of like proper case study. So they'd give you the case. They'd give you time to like read through it and all that. You would do take some time alone. And um, there's also a round where you'd work with a group and then you'd come back and somebody would interview you either individually or as a group. And then like they'd see how you collaborate with other people like who's talking more, who's talking less? Like, was it a well thought out solution and all that? Um, so they had a they had a different approach to it, but like I got the offer, so I just never did that case study with them after, cause I, I already chose Deloitte. Hmm.
1: Wow, that sounds similar to some of the, the residence rep applications. So anyone who's got Welcome Week interview experience,
0: immediate <laughs> <and> consultant <laughs> job, <laughs> no prep required. Same with Horizons. Which is like yeah. the, the summer camp that happens at Mac. They do group interviews like that too. Mac is really, um, really famous for interviews because they came up with like MMIs too, right?
2: What's so, MMI?
0: Mini multiple interviews. Um, they use it for their med school applications. Oh. And it was invented at Mac.
2: I didn't know that. But yeah, our, our interview process, like for... McMaster I don't I'll still say R because I always associate myself with Mac but um yeah like it changed a lot like as the years passed every year I'd hear like a different story it's like well that interview was crazy I was like wait they're interviewing now or like they're doing like a supplementary application along with like just your grades yeah and yeah no but I, I love Mac they changed so much in just the time I was there is completely different
1: Makes you feel old. I was entering in 2016 as well, Roy. So yeah. Right there with you.
2: Yeah, no, because there's, like, a whole new, like, iBio side to all the courses, and, like... Hi. It, it's crazy, it's crazy. And then we had that whole new building with, like, 3D printers, and then 1P13 is, is completely different. Yeah, pivot. Yeah. Like, McMaster's finding a nice balance between like hands-on experience and theoretical experience. And um, one of our Tron profs like summed it up really well is because a lot of Tron kids were saying, why do we learn so much theoretical? We want more hands-on experience. And he said, that's the difference between college and university. So college will just teach you hands-on, but that's only gonna help you while the technology is relevant. What university teaches you is a theory because you should be able to apply that to like the different technology. So I shouldn't need to teach you JavaScript just because like, it's popular right now. Your programming knowledge that you learned from your like programming course should be enough for you to be able to learn JavaScript on your own without having to go to a course or like, you should be able to transfer that knowledge from different programming languages is what I'm trying to say, theoretically. Um, Which is why like, there needs to be a fine line between like everything being hands-on versus everything being theoretical or like a proper mix of the two. That's
1: a great point. Which is also where co-ops come in.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, that's that's one thing I'd recommend is like always try to make connections between what you learned and what your co-op is. Um, even though they're not that obvious, just making those con- like connections between what you learned and what you see in, in work is important um, because that'll help you like moving forward. Is like, oh, I learned this, and maybe I can apply this concept here. It might work. Um, I can't think of an example off the top of my head but like um, like a lot of people say is like oh you know what you learn in school doesn't matter or anything but it's a matter of making those connections in your own head so that you're actually using what you learned and not wasting all those years of your life because if that was the case then why do we still go to university You're better off just doing like maybe a hands-on course learning the technology and then running with it for a few years before doing another course when you need to learn a different technology.
1: That's a deep question why do we go to university
2: right and like the answer mvm has is like you need to be able to know this theory and like actually think about where can we move forward with whatever like humans in general know.
1: Mhm.
2: Mm-hmm. um and like he's a big advocate for like doing masters and going further into research but he knows that like not it's not meant for everyone so but yeah and, uh, he really changed my mind that day when he said that like oh you know there's there's a big difference between college and university and that's why we can't make everything hands-on because I'm more of a hands-on learner like I just like to learn with like doing things but it's very obvious when like the way he said it made a lot of sense is like there needs to be a proper balance
1: yep yep balance is king King. so we are approaching our time now and we've heard a lot about your co-op experiences from Canadian Tire to the um, software development teaching you were doing all the way up until, um, your experience now with Deloitte, um, moving forwards, what, what's next for you, Roy? Uh,
2: I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank recently, (laughs) um, I'll tell you, like, uh, nine to five is not meant for me, I've always just been, like, more of a inventor and a risk taker, so, um, like, I'm just trying to brainstorm ideas and, like, make stuff, um, I honestly never wanted to really do engineering as a job. i always wanted to keep it as a hobby because I felt like if it was my job, I'd get bored doing it or I wouldn't like doing it. Um, and that's also why I, I always tried to stay more on like business side of things for, for work, because I felt like if I start doing engineering side for work, I'll, I'll just not like it that much anymore or like it won't, it won't arouse my curiosity. It'd be more like, um, getting paid to do this. Um, But yeah, so for me, like I'd say next steps are probably like just trying to invent some stuff and maybe like do some entrepreneurship work.
0: Can't wait to see you on a Shark Tank episode.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to do that too. That'd be really fun. Um, Mr. Wonderful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I was going to ask if you had a favorite shark. I'm a big fan of the show.
2: Uh, I love Mr. Wonderful and Mark Cuban. Those two are, like, <laughs> just too funny. I just love both of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like Robert Hersheybeck. He's, he's so nice. He's too nice for his own good, though. No,
2: nah, I don't know. I've seen him, and sometimes he's, like, all the sharks are not nice when they don't need to, like, when they need to be not nice, they're not nice. <laughs> like... Uh but I, I like that about the show their negotiation skills and everything are really good and like i like doing the math on the side with them sometimes but that's kind of nerdy so maybe you can <laughs> cut that out
0: <laughs> it's okay it's showing yeah. off your management
2: stuff. <laughs> yeah
1: all right so we'll see you on the next episode of shark tank or at least with the pen in your ear on the side taking notes on the stage or something
2: oh that's that's so. true <laughs>
1: All right, well, thank you for joining us today, Roy. It's been lovely having you.
2: Thanks a lot. It was nice meeting you guys, too. Uh, great talk.
1: So, that was Rede Roy Gohill. He shared some key insights with us on the importance of being able to think on your feet, networking out of natural curiosity, and the need for balance between hands on and theoretical knowledge. If you would like to hear more from Roy, you can reach him on LinkedIn at Rede Roy Gohill. If you like this podcast, please follow us at Tell Us About Yourself on Spotify or give us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow along for any updates on our Instagram page at Tell Us Podcast or on LinkedIn at Tell Us About Yourself Podcast. This podcast is co-hosted by Anika Yardi and Anushree Shukhavarti. The music is by PYC Music and available via Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening.